Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. I know everyone loves to hear this guy. So once again, we have Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. (laughs) Uh, Has God ever taken you outside of your comfort zone? We're going to share a story where God led someone to some scary places. But of course, he was there at every turn like he normally is. Uh, I'll talk about how our training is all a balancing act. Sometimes we, we look at training, we want it to be, we, we think about it as being complicated. We're going to try to boil it down to um, just the, the balancing act that training is uh, in this week's Dean's Thoughts. So, hey, the weather is turning. I We had a run in the morning just recently where almost had to wear gloves. It was really sweet. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's supposed to be, I think they're saying it's going to be down in the 30s this weekend for the lows. That's uh that's glove weather for me. That's an awesome change. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, although, you know, over the past uh, three months or so, I've lost some weight. Yeah. I've lost some insulation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this colder weather, I'm I'm a little worried. Have to I'm, run faster. I guess so. Keep warmer. Run a little harder. Yeah. That'll work. That's all I got to do. Very good. <laughs> so last week, we had a trivia question. And this trivia question was um, there was a famous author of a running-related book who died. Well, actually, I and you know what? That, I have to apologize because I said he died in the 70s. And actually, the book was written in the 70s, and he died in the 80s. I think it was 1985 that he died. That's no small detail there. I know. I know. <laughs> but a lot of people got the question right, so they knew what I was trying to say. <laughs> so I apologize for that uh, mistake. At the time, it was the most popular running book ever published. Who was it? What was he doing when he died? And what was the name of the book? So the, the, the guy was Jim Fix. The book was called The Complete Book of Running, and it was written in 1977. Um, and interestingly enough, he died while he was running. Of all things, this guy who wrote this book called The Complete Book of Running um, died while he was running. Um, he had been predisposed to heart disease. His father had died at the age of 43 from a, a second heart attack when he was 43. Um, they found out that his his arteries were blocked like 95, 85, and 70 percent. So he was he was in bad shape mm-hmm. when he died. And a lot of people, I remember when this happened, and a lot of people looked at that and thought, well, here's a guy. Obviously, running doesn't do any good because here's a guy who knew everything there was to know about running. And he died while running. That's just the haters out there. <laughs> but I would point out that he died at 52. His father died at 43. So perhaps running extended his life by nine years. Yeah, you know, I've got a buddy of mine. Um, it's actually the guy, ironically, who said that he's the one that told me way back in the day that you need to think about publishing this. Uh, it's a good friend of mine. It's actually my Sunday school teacher. But this guy hates exercise. Hates it. Will not do it, you know, makes fun of me, all us runners and people like that, even though he's the guy that probably is the one that tipped me over to, to look into having this published. 
but he loves it anytime somebody comes in. There's several runners in my Sunday school class. And, you know, I've had injuries before, and, you know, there's been other people in our class. He's like, see, see, running's bad for you <laughs> just because we have an injury. You know, so, uh, yeah, you got the haters out there. So, yeah. Always, I mean. always, always going to have that guy or that girl. <laughs> always, every time. Yeah. I just talked with one of the athletes on my cross-country team at the college, and she said one of her big motivations for running in college was that somebody once told her, that she would never be good enough to do that. Mm. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes those people who are who are haters, they really motivate other other people to I would do say a lot of times. Yes, yeah, very yeah, often. Because I, mean, I I'm one of those people that tell me I can't do something, and <laughs> I may not be able to do it, but I'm gonna die <laughs> trying to prove you wrong. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a personality thing that a lot of people have that. That just motivates them, which is good. It is good. It's very good. This guy, Jim Fix, was a really smart guy. He was actually part of Menza, which, um, you know, is, is a bunch of smart people. He wrote these brain teaser puzzle books, actually. And I think he wrote a couple of those before he wrote The Complete Book of Running. So he was into a lot of different things. Interestingly, <laughs> he wrote another book about running. And this was, now remember, Okay, his first book of running was called what? The Complete Book. (laughs) The Complete Book of Running. And then he wrote a second book. It was called The Second Book of Running. (laughs) So the tagline under that should have been, never mind, I didn't cover everything in the first one. So this is the, yeah, that's kind of funny. But I think that shows how much we know. Even today, things change. Mm -hmm. We were talking this morning about these new spikes um, that seem to be making a big difference on track races right now. And uh, things change, right? Technology, it's not just technology. It's what we know about the body and other things that change. Uh, I think about simple things like uh, Tim Noakes, who's a doctor from South Africa, wrote this book called Waterlogged. Mm -hmm. And he talked about hydration. And we, we have these notions about hydration, which was all based on one particular study that was done that in hindsight, they looked at the study and found out the study was a little bit flawed mm-hmm. in the way that it was administered. They're finding out that what we've done is we've encouraged people to drink too much and have and drink because people have died from drinking too much. Right. You're far worse off drinking too much than you are not drinking enough. Um, and so anyway. But that's not to say that not drinking enough is good. No. So it is, it's all about balance, just like it always is. It, it always is. Um, but it was a new piece of information. Right. It was like we, we were in this direction where it was like you can't drink too much. And now we're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. So people have died from drinking too much. You can drink too much. Right. Drink a lot. Just don't drink too much. If you're drinking 1,000 ounces a day, you're going to have problems. That's going to be a problem. But yep. most people aren't drinking 25, 30 ounces a day, and that is a problem. That is absolutely a problem. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all about all about moderation. Yeah, yeah. It, this all makes me think about the Bible, and you know, we think of, we we look at the Bible, and of course, people look at certain passages different ways. There are books of the Bible that we're not sure who who wrote those books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do we not know about the Bible? Um, I, and I think that's that's interesting. It's not important though. It's not. And, and that's where I think we, we don't have to know everything about the that's Bible. Right. Uh, we will we will never know everything about the Bible or about Jesus. Um, I probably have more questions than I have answers, but I know <laughs> I know the important things. I know that 
Christ came to this earth. He died for my sins, and he arose on the third day, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, wanting me to accept that fact. I have. But he's wanting all of us to accept that fact and spend eternity with him. You know, we talked about eternity last week. Yeah. 37 billion years. Yep. That's what we're going to go with from now on. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't heard that part, go back and listen to last week. But 37 billion years plus some. Anything we do on earth is not that big of a sacrifice to spend 37 billion years with Christ. Um, you know, is it is it difficult to accept the things that we just don't know? I, I don't think it is. Um, you know, I, I trust you to, to get this podcast ready every week. You know, I don't, I, I look at what we're going to talk about sometimes the morning of, sometimes it's when we get here. Uh, I have no idea what's going to be on this outline, but I, I trust the information because you and I have a personal relationship. And I trust what God's Word says because we have a personal relationship. Amen. I don't have to know everything we're going to talk about on these podcasts because I know you. Yeah. And now if it was somebody I didn't know and they have a background that I didn't know and I just didn't know them, then I would think twice about not looking at what they say or even having them on this podcast because we have to know people that are on here. And it's, it's the same way with Christ. We don't, we know him, therefore we don't have to know everything and explain everything that his word says. And I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers that a lot of people have is is the unknown. But if you really start looking around you, there's so many things that we don't know, yet we accept every day in our lives. Yeah. And why is it different with our relationship with Christ? Yeah, it's, that's an interesting point that we that we, we feel like if we don't know something, well, all of a sudden, well, we, we're going to discount the whole thing because maybe we look at Noah's Ark is a good example. There's a lot of people who look at Noah's Ark and they just it's just too fantastic of a story. There's no way that could have happened, and that's what they're thinking. And so they discount everything that's in the Bible um, because of the Noah's Ark story. Now, I would argue that the Noah's Ark story is important to the Bible, it's certain, sure. For, for sure. But there's a lot of, of other things in the Bible that are the whole New Testament. <laughs> you know, right. I mean... That, that's where where people go. Well, I don't agree with one thing, so I'm not going to agree with the whole thing. It just doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what's interesting too is that you see discovery, you see archaeological discoveries and things that happen um, all the time. Mm-hmm. And every time we have this new archaeological discovery, and it relates it all to biblical times or to the Bible, it all it does is underscore the truth of the Bible. And I wish more people knew that because I think people who are non-believers don't realize how much because you hear people all the time talk about science and science. Science is different than the Bible. Science is not different than the Bible. Right. If you look at science, the Bible will back up science. Um, when I think so much of the the disbelief comes from the, the fact that we're so far removed from that time period, I mean, we're we're. we're 2020 years now from that time period so it, it's like as time goes on many times we'll discount it even more but you know I've talked many times in this podcast and I was listening to it this morning when I picked you up I talk about the unashamed podcast and, and one thing that Phil says that that I love to hear it because he says it all the time he says 
when when you start to hear that or you start to hear people discounting because it was so far in the past and it couldn't have been true, Phil, ask them, what date is it? What is today's date? And today is October the 15th as of this recording, 2020. And he says, 2020 from what? Yeah. And people will just look at him and he says, we, we base our whole calendar. We base everything on the birth of Christ. And that has to tell you something that we've never decided to change. I know there's been some some people try to change AD, BC, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But our time is based on the birth of Christ. Yeah. So something significant happened 2020 years ago for all of society, all of civilization to start basing their time on it. Yeah. And I believe that. And I think most people do believe that, but we, we, we get in the weeds too many times of, well, this isn't exactly right or that's not exactly right. We, we don't have to know all the intricacies. We will one day yeah. on the other side of glory, uh, but not on this side. Yep. And, and God's word's clear about that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting topic of discussion. I love apologetics, and I love just the whole idea of, of the Bible being proven true. In a lot of ways, in the ways that we do know, right. um, and that's that's fantastic. It's I just love the I like the idea yeah. because I'm I'm a I love to learn how things work and I like to understand how things work and I think it's good when we get some solid under underlying things there. Sure. Hey, we have a lot of Run Club exclusive things that only Run Club member, members get a, to be a part of, and one of those things is our weekly texts. Mm-hmm. So once a week, most of the time once a week, I will send out a text. And that text is, could be anything, just but usually it's something positive and something or something to think about or something motivating or just just a few words of, of something. And I don't know. I, I think there's something different about getting a positive text as, to, as, as a positive email or something well, I think, like that. I think the cool thing about your text also is I don't know – Marketers nowadays, I don't know how they're getting my phone number. I'm I'm having to hit stop or say stop. More most of them are political nowadays. Somebody yeah. has got a list with my number on it, and it's been sold and it's been sold to some political campaign. And but I'm getting a lot of those, and it's it's always text wanting something, wanting your vote, wanting you to buy something, wanting needing something. But yours aren't like that. Yep. Yours are just encouragement. Yeah. And it brightens my day every time I get one. I think this past one was actually on Saturday, not Friday. Yep. Um, yep. So you mix it up a little bit sometimes. And it's it's always things that you're thinking about that you think relates to this club. And, and they're just, they're great. It's a great addition to this run club. But it's it's only something you're going to get if, if you're a member. Right. And just one more way for us to try to encourage you on your running journey. Sure. As always, we are sponsored by J Radio, the world's greatest digital music platform. Remember, there are some playlists up there that come directly from the Run for God staff uh, and from Lane, and um, it'll broaden your horizons a little bit, perhaps, to listen to some of that music, Um, which that's interesting, but even better. If you become a Run for God ambassador and then you win the contest and get the most people to sign up for Run Club, you may get a chance So we have to make a, a monthly contest every month. It started in October, so we'll be announcing a winner here pretty soon. 
But each month, we take our ambassadors and we say, okay, who had the most people sign up under their discount code? So when you become an ambassador, we give you a discount code, and it gives everybody that you know a free month of Run Club. They don't like it, they can cancel it. We don't think they will, but it, it gives you the opportunity to go out to your sphere of influence and say, hey, this is what I'm a part of. You've probably heard me talk about it. You've heard me, seen me post about it. This is an opportunity for you, my sphere of influence, to become part of this club, and I'm going to give you 30 days free. And it's typically your first name and your last initial is your discount code. So we look at the end of every month, we look at all the ambassadors, and we say, who got the most signups under their name? Just kind of a cool little contest. But each month, the winner gets 90 days of J Radio for free, the world's greatest digital music platform. You get your own playlist on J Radio. I mean, how many people can say, I have my own playlist on the greatest digital music platform of all time, and all they play is Christian music? And you get a Run For God care package, uh, which has some cool swag in it. I'm sure you're going to love them. But that's every month. So if you're not an ambassador, first of all, you got to be a Run Club member. Go on there uh, to the ambassador tab on once you sign into Run Club and check it out. We'd love for you to join us, and it's a great way to, to get some really cool free stuff. Free stuff. We like free stuff. Check out J Radio. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. Don't forget that one of the other things as a Run Club member that you get is you can send emails to dean at runforgod.com and I will answer questions. If you've got a question about training, if you've got a, whatever the question is, um, I will be glad to answer questions. So um, dean at runforgod.com. If you don't know about us and you just happened upon this podcast, you need to go to runforgodrunclub.com and check out uh, what Run Club is all about because um, we would love to have you join us. Hey, let's let's park there for just a minute. You always glance right over that part that people can send emails to you. Let me tell you a little bit about Dean. Number one, he's a super fast runner. He's a 239 marathoner. He's a RRCA certified coach, and he's got how many years of running under your belt? 110? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Maybe 120. He, he's forgotten more about the sport of running than I'll ever know. So most people would spend 100 200 I know some coaches that charge $400 a month for access to them. For $10 a month or for $9.97 a month, 27 cents a day, you've got access to, in my mind, one of the greatest coaches out there. Um, so, so don't. I'm, I'm not going to let Dean just skim over that. I wanted to, to brag on Dean for a little bit and, and let you know if you're listening to this and you join Run Club, you've got access to Dean, and it's always great. If you, it's one thing to have a training plan, but it's a whole other thing to have a training plan and be able to talk to somebody about that. 
who has the knowledge, who's been there before you. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of clarify that right there. Well, I don't know if that clarifies anything. Um, guy's a little off his rocker, too. Um, <laughs> but that's that comes with age, probably. So, uh, hey, don't forget, we'd love to hear your story, too. We, we love these stories. We share one every week. Um, this week is a great story, uh, but every week there's a good story, and so we want to hear yours. So send your stories to us. Um, go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com and send us your story. Let us let us know what your story is. And again, as Mitchell always says, if you're telling me your story's not that great, it is to somebody. Mm-hmm. Remember, always remember that. So. This week, we have longtime Run for God coach, supporter, Run Club member. We've already heard a little bit about this story in another context. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear it from a, another context today, and that's from Rhonda Williams. Um, Rhonda Williams is in Huntsville, Alabama, and this one is entitled, Out of My Comfort Zone. I had known for many years that I had aortic stenosis, a narrowing of the aortic valve impeding blood flow in the heart. But my doctors urged me not to worry about it and explained that it would more than likely not get worse and that I would probably never need surgery. But after 10 years, it progressed from a mild to moderate uh, and I knew surgery was inevitable. I thought it would take another 10 years to become severe enough. However, it only took two. Even though it seemed inevitable, receiving the phone call from my cardiologist was somewhat of a shock. I had just finished a swim workout and was getting something for lunch. It's severe. You have to stop training. It's time for surgery, said the doctor. Wow. I saw my dream of a half Ironman for which I had already started training evaporate in front of me. I cried while in the drive-thru lane at Chick-fil-A. My mother-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer the very same week. I couldn't believe that God had allowed our family to suffer two life-threatening illnesses at the same time. We questioned how we were going to manage. But over the next few months, I learned that we weren't going to have to manage anything because God would. He had a plan in place before we even knew we needed one. He worked out everything for us, including the logistics of going back and forth to Knoxville, Tennessee to be there for my in-laws. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's from Deuteronomy 31.6. The journey from that phone call in June to the surgery in January was a long one with many ups and downs and a few tears, too. There was even a false start, as my husband calls it. After prayer, research, and consulting with my cardiologist, we chose a surgeon at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee, which is just a two-hour drive from our home in Huntsville, Alabama. Several days later, I had a moment of serious doubt. Was he really the right surgeon for me? I cried out to God and told him that I was not at peace. Was this surgeon really the one? I needed to know. I needed peace. And then I picked up my phone and opened Facebook and saw the daily devotion that a friend posts every morning. The first words were, be at peace and trust in the Lord. I burst into tears and gave him thanks. I felt at peace. I knew everything was going to be fine. God had chosen that surgeon for me, but for a different reason than we thought. 
I was taken into surgery at Vanderbilt in September, and they performed one last test after I was asleep. They discovered a complication that meant uh, the planned surgery would not be the right one for me. Instead of a regular valve replacement, I needed a Ross procedure. So the surgeon canceled the surgery. Being a former PACU surgery nurse, I can tell you that canceling surgery after the patient is in the OR and asleep is a very big deal. Many surgeons would have proceeded with that operation and installed a valve that would have corrected the stenosis but would not have been adequate for my athletic goals. God chose the one surgeon he knew would do what was right for me. Once we were over the shock of that day, we began praying and looking for a surgeon who could perform the needed surgery. The Ross procedure is very complex, and most cardiac surgeons do not perform it, so we were more than a little concerned. I wanted to stay as close to home as possible. I was comfortable with Vanderbilt or going to Emory in Atlanta or even a hospital in Orlando, Florida, my hometown. I grew up there have relatives there, and my parents have a condo in central Florida, so that was within my comfort zone. The one place I did not want to go was New York City. That's just too far outside my comfort zone. However, God had other plans. We, my husband and I, felt God was leading us to Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. So I prayed, told God how I felt about going to New York, and asked him if that was really where he wanted me to go. Then I opened my Bible to a random page looking for an answer from him and saw Ecclesiastes 11.1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. I did not understand what that meant, so I read the notes at the bottom. Thank goodness for study Bibles, which said, Be adventurous, like those who accept the risks and reap the benefits of seaborne trade. Do not always play it safe. Wow, I guess we were going to New York. We went to New York for a consult with a surgeon and discovered that he is a man of deep faith. We felt we we left feeling confident and at peace. I found the place where I would have surgery. God even led us to the perfect place to stay after I was discharged from the hospital, an apartment building that operates as a day as a long stay hotel not far from Mount Sinai. The most nerve-wracking part of the whole experience was getting on a plane just two weeks after open heart surgery. But even that went well. God provides. My mother-in-law's breast cancer surgery went well, and we were able to be there for both the surgery and the first few chemo treatments. Her last radiation treatment was the last day before my surgery on January 10th. I have experienced a better-than-textbook recovery, which I credit to being fit and healthy, which I credit to God. I was back to running a couple of months after surgery and biking and swimming followed a few weeks later. I'm training for a sprint triathlon at the end of the summer. God talked to me all the way through this adventure and assured me not only that I would survive, but he would make me strong because he has a plan for me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Of course, that's Jeremiah 29:11. He chose the right surgeons and and facilities, and he provided everything I needed, including people to support and encourage me. 
My Run for God family were and continue to be amazing. I don't know what I would have done without them. They really took to heart the commandment to love one another. As I have loved you, so much must so you must love one another. John 13:34. And I am humbled and grateful. God has a plan for us, and his goals are greater and higher than the goals we have set for ourselves. We tend to set goals based on our abilities, not his, but it's not about what we can do. It's about what he can do with us. We see Philippians 4.13 everywhere, even on shirts at races, and we take it to heart. But from now on, I will pair it with Ecclesiastes 11.1. The first verse tells us we can. The second verse tells us we should. All we have to do is trust him and step out on faith. God has shown me that there is so much more potential in me than I ever realized. And by trusting God, I have come farther than I have ever thought possible. I will compete in a half Ironman, and I will do it for all his glory. That's a great story, Rhonda. You know, like you said before, she's an incredible lady. I've I've had the opportunity to meet Rhonda, and she's an incredible run for God coach. But, you know, she, back in episode 20, is we talked about the story walking through the desert, and it's a very different angle of this same story. And I think it's just, you know, we say that, Many times we say, well, our, our story is not that impressive. Well, not only is our story impressive to somebody, but there's many different angles we can look at our story mm-hmm. and see it through the eyes of different people and impact many different people. And I think this is just a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, we're how many podcasts in now? 30, 31? Yeah. And Ron has been on two of them. Yeah. And each story is just as impactful as the other one. Yeah. And it's just a, a testament to, to what God can do with our story. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's incredible. This story, this story is really similar to the Run for God story, right? You know, it's, of course, the Run for God story stretches out over more years than this. But right. but how how God would light one thing at a time, just a little bit of the past, just far enough, you know, because if God had said from the beginning, hey, you know, in a couple of years you're going to have to have surgery and you're going to have to go to New York to have surgery, she probably would have freaked out. Sure. But instead, God just showed her a little and, bit of time. You know, that that goes to the point of, that's more what the verses are talking about when it says God will not put on you more than you can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's talking about that we want all the answers right now. <laughs> you know, I want God to show me what my retirement's going to look like. If I have one, I may be doing this till I die. I love doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but God knows that that's not the best thing for us. Or it's not the best thing for me. Some people handle things differently, but... You know, I've, I've said it before. If, if God would have showed up in the fall of 2009 and said, Hey, Mitchell, I want you to make some T-shirts, which is what he started with. I want you to create a T-shirt just to wear around. Not only do I want you to do that, I want you to, to write a book and, and start a class and talk in front of people and, and quit your job and your wife quit her job and, and y'all go on into full-time ministry. <laughs> No way. I, I would have been running the opposite way so fast. I, I would have been running from God. <laughs> instead of running for instead God. Instead of running for God. <laughs> and, and it's because he knows what's best. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that I don't tell my kids. There was something that I didn't tell my son last night. And I'm not going to say what it is on here because by the time this airs, I probably still won't have told him. And it's <laughs> it's things that I know I know what's best for him and I know at this time 
he doesn't need to know that. There's a time where he's going to need to know this information. Mm-hmm. And and I always compare our walk with Christ to if you have children, your walk with your children. Because it's the same relationship. We know what's best for our kids. We know what to let them see and what not to let them see. And it's the same thing with God with us. You know, I'm constantly praying, God, light up that next street light for me. Mm-hmm. But many times that light stays dark. And I I have learned through the years, and I still have to remind myself, if he doesn't light that next light up, go to the last one he lit up and keep working there. Because that's where he's working. Yep. He There's a reason that that next one is not lit up. And the sooner we can understand that, the sooner we can figure that out, yeah. the better off we are. Yeah. She shares some scripture passages here in this story. Uh, she started with Deuteronomy 31.6. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Why is it so hard to remember sometimes that he's there? I mean, think about think about what was going on when this verse was written. Um, this is when, you know, obviously Moses was leading the children of Israel. We know many of those stories. I mean, hmm. Moses at that time was the... He was the modern-day Billy Graham. I mean, he he was the guy that was in touch with God. Everybody knew it. And he was, if you go back to uh, verse 2 of verse of chapter 31, it says, this is when he's talking to Joshua. Uh, Moses is talking to Joshua right here, and he said, I'm 120 years old today. <laughs> I mean, he was a legend. He was 120 years old. He had talked face-to-face with God. God had given him the Ten Commandments. I mean, Moses was the guy, and he's telling Joshua, I'm done. My earthly ministry's done, and I'm going to transfer authority over to you. Think about, talk about a streetlight from God to Joshua. Yeah. I don't know how old Joshua was at the time, but he wasn't 120 years old. No. He was probably a young guy. How intimidating that had to have been. Yeah. But how comfortable or how comforting it was for for Moses to say, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and Joshua believed that. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to hear it, and it's a whole other thing to be, to believe it yeah and so many times we hear these things we hear these verses they're good taglines and bumper stickers but we have to dig in and find out humanize these verses and say man what what joshua was about to be handed was bigger than anything we could ever be handed and yet he took it and he relied on this verse and he lived it and he wasn't just there for joshua because you know joshua was kind of being handed this mantle from Moses, sure. but he's there with us right. every day, and that's the whole point of this, this scripture. And um, I, I hear people all the time that say, I just don't feel God close to me. And whenever we feel that way, there's one thing that's for sure. Right. We're the one that moved, right. not God, right. And because he's, he's there. You know, how many verses? He's steadfast. He's the rock. He's steady. That's right. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a... Uh, and I don't know why I'm thinking of this or even saying this, but it, it makes me think about it. Have you ever been in a on a cruise ship? Have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. Well, the one thing that impressed me most about a cruise ship, you know, cruise ships are enormous. Mm-hmm. They're humongous if you've ever been around one. And 
but you're going out into the ocean and you think, well, the ocean, and I compare the ocean to life, the ocean out there, we were on a cruise going to Alaska, I think one time, and I went down on a lower deck where I was pretty close to the level of the water and there was a balcony overlooking and I looked out and the sea was just, I mean, it was 10, 15 foot seas. It was really rough waters. I mean, people, some people even got sick that day. But the sea was just rolling, and, and I was thinking any other vessel in this water would be having big problems. I mean, it would be just, you, yeah. you wouldn't even be able to stand hardly. But this boat, this ship, was like a rock out in that sea. I mean, the waves were coming up on the boat. It wasn't tossing the boat. And and when you said that, that made me think of that ship is like Christ. It doesn't matter how wavy life gets. Yeah. God is like a rock. Yeah. And he doesn't move. And his his word's clear about that. What a great analogy. Another scripture passage that she shares is Philippians 4.13. Of course, we all know that when I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, you know, before he he gets to that point and he says that, he's talking about how he has learned to live with plenty and learned to live with nothing. At the point he's writing this, he's in jail. He's got nothing, right? But he's learned he's learned how to live with both. And what the bottom line is, is it, it doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. God is always there. He's always willing to help us along. He always is there. When I need strength, he's there. And that we shouldn't fear the situations. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, he was he was in prison. And I think this is just another example of why the Bible discusses fear hundreds of times. You know, mm. Old Testament and New. It's one of the most written, written about subjects in the Bible. We've talked about this here lately. I don't know why we keep being brought to verses about fear. Maybe God's trying to tell us something. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just another example of of rejoicing no matter what the situation is around us. No matter what that sea around us is doing, we can rejoice in that steady rock. Yeah, absolutely. Ecclesiastes 11.1, cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. I love the way that she talks about this verse, how she talks about how Philippians 4.13, you know, how it means God's going to be there and he's going to strengthen you, and then this one is... Now, that means you can do it, and then this one says you should do it. And I just, I love that. And now I never thought about that until I, I read this in this story. Um, yeah, taking action, investing time and energy in things is important uh, because that often comes back to us. Mm-hmm. And I don't think sometimes, sometimes you, we think about this, be still and listen for God. And we take that way too literally sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do need to be still. We do need to listen for God's voice. But God wants us to take action, too. He doesn't want us just to sit around waiting for something else to happen. Sure. Um, and I think that's important, and that's kind of what, what she talks about here. When I put in my notes here, and, and I don't know this to be the case. I didn't have time to really research it. But if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would say that this is where the term throw caution to the wind came from. Yeah. Um, you know, there... There are times to be cautious mm-hmm. in our lives, you know, investing, trusting people, making decisions, but not in godly things. Yeah. We're, nowhere in Scripture does it say, be careful in doing what I'm telling you to do, or be cautious in doing what I'm telling you to do. Nowhere do you see that. 
Yeah. Um, and and how many how many times have you sensed God calling you to do something, and you start counting the cost? Yeah. Wow. I, I do it. Yeah. Um, but think about think about what throw caution to the wind means, or cast your bread upon waters from after many days it will it will find you again. And in in the society's eyes, the things that we do for Christ seem reckless. Yeah. You know, sell everything you own and move to Africa to be a missionary. I yeah. have a friend that I talked to last night that that's exactly what they did. Wow. She was a radiologist making incredible money. Wow. But she sensed God calling her. Now, how many of her friends and coworkers thought, She's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. But she, you hear every time they come back, they'll they'll talk to our church when they come back, and you can see the blessings that that family has received far outweigh any paycheck that she would ever get. So that that's an that's a prime example of how to act out this verse. Yeah. You know, since God calling you, don't count the cost. Do exactly what He says. And it'll come back tenfold or yeah. hundredfold or how many ever fold. But too many times we don't do that. We we want, oh, this is going to cost me. This is it's yeah. going to mess up this friendship. It's going to cost me this job. It's God never says to count those costs. We, we go bury our talent. Exactly. Yep, yep. Um, and and running is one of those things. We, we know not just through how we feel, uh, but we know through scientific research and everything else that running – there's a benefit to running. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely, we definitely reap benefits from running if we'll do it. Um, kind of pull this all but full how circle. How many excuses do we make even we, about that? We make tons of excuses on why we can't do it today or why why it won't fit into my schedule or I, I don't. I wish I've wish I a dollar for every time somebody told me they didn't have time to run. Um, We've talked about that on I know this podcast the things you before. want to say back to them, but usually you restrain yourself. I do. Like, I do. Okay. I always think um, this has always been my answer to that is when you say that you don't have time to run, what you're saying is it's not a big enough priority to me. Sure. That's your choice, um, but your health is pretty important. Right. And so I think it should be a, a fairly good sized priority. And I would say that almost everybody does something. That should be lower on the priority pole than than exercising. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, television. Yeah. Yeah, we can name video games. You know, uh, I I, I've I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast before. You just brought it up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I, I teach a small group on Wednesday nights and high schoolers, high school boys. And, of course, we're just now getting back to our Wednesday night services after COVID. And it's it's so awesome to be back in the church with bustling activity, especially with high schoolers. I mean, you never have a dull moment up there. I mean, as many times as you want to strangle some of them. But it's it's incredible. But with my group, and they all know it now when they come in, but the first question I ask with all these high schoolers is, get your phones out. What's your screen time? Now, many people would say that's a, that's kind of private, that's a little invasive, but I don't think it is. I think yeah. I think one thing that's that's hurting our youth the most is how much time they're spending on those phones, yeah, and not doing other things like what we're talking about here. Yeah, but I have had high schoolers. Now, when I say screen time with the Apple phone, 
you can pull up your screen time and it'll tell you on average how long was your screen lit up each okay. day. And when it's lit up, that means you're looking at it or doing something on it. Yeah. And I have a rule in my household with my kids, it better not be over two hours, which sounds like a lot, but two hours is, is pretty good nowadays. But there's some kids that they're on there for seven, eight. We had one of our athletes back during the summer, 10 hours. Yeah. 10 hours a day, and they laugh about it. And, man, it gives me heartburn to think, you know, I look at them and I say, that's a full-time job. Yeah. That's a full-time job. You could you could drop that down to two hours and have a full-time eight-hour job. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, but I don't know why we no. got on that issue. But, yeah, I mean, we, we make excuses. We make excuses. You know, a lot of those teenagers, they say, well, I don't have time to do to read my Bible, to work out to do whatever and they don't have time because they're they're throwing their life away yeah on these phones and and i'm just as guilty as anybody you know i've i've shared on here that i finally i took facebook off of my phone because i found myself you know here i am lecturing these kids on wednesday nights and i look and and one time my my screen time got over two hours and i was like god just you know, many times God will take your own words yeah. and aim them right back at you. That's what he did. So yeah. um, you can always find time yeah. to, to spend in time with God and to go run. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And we're not saying that social media is no. the, the all evils in the world or social media related. We are not because social media has been a friend to run for I God. I love social media. Yeah, I do. yeah it is but good. Just like we talked about earlier, moderation. Moderation, yep. Question one, what can you do to learn to hear God's voice? <laughs> and I think about being still. Mm-hmm. We're so busy moving and doing because that's how we're we're created to be that way. And you and I have that bent to want to do stuff. I always want to do stuff. You made the comment to me here not too long ago that, you know, you can say no <laughs> when somebody asks you to do something. That's pretty bad when I'm the one telling you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's but that is I mean that's true um, because we just have this because we want to do and we want to help and we want to we want to be a part of stuff and um, but to hear God's voice sometimes sometimes we can hear it in the middle of that stuff mm-hmm. I hear God's voice all the time when I'm out on a run mm-hmm. um, but sometimes we just got to be still yeah and and that's so counterintuitive we to the way to the world make works make time that's yeah. that's the tricky part with our schedules nowadays. You know, I tell people with running, you know, people talk about, well, I can't find time. That's probably the number one, that's probably the number one excuse for not exercising is I don't have time. And I say to people, treat it like a meeting. You know, many people are planners and they sit down at the, on Sunday night or Monday morning or whatever, if they're like me and they go through their strikeout list and they go through their calendar, put it on your calendar. If you want to run for an hour, three days a week, then Something about putting it on your calendar and blocking out that time and saying, that's run time, that helps. And it's the same thing with our our, our daily devotion time with, with Christ. I do mine first thing in the morning. That's when I get out of the bed, I take a shower, I go and I pray with my wife, and then I go in my office and I have my quiet time. Now, are there days that that don't happen? Yeah. But I have a standing date with my Bible. Yeah. Every morning in my office, um, it's not perfect, but it's it's better than well, I can't find time. 
Yeah. So so make the time and, and physically write it in if that helps. Well, and listening for God's voice um, happens more. The more that you do, the easier it is to hear God's sure. voice. And, you know, sometimes things are very obvious, like this in this case where a, a surgery was canceled. That seemed pretty clear mm-hmm. um, based on the whole circumstances surrounding that. I'll tell you a story that happened to me recently. I had a... I had an issue, problem that was really, really bugging me. It was really, my mind was just, I was really struggling with. And it was something I really just needed to wrestle with and, and get my brain around and be okay and move on, right? And I, I got to that point. I was in my Bible one day and I read, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember reading this, this scripture and I was able to let that thing go. And I had I, this is this is technically related to this very podcast. I had been trying to get a video off of a camera mm-hmm. onto my computer so that I could edit this video. I had tried no less than twenty times to download this video off of a camera, right. and it wouldn't work. I could not get it to work. I spent hours trying to fix this. Just after I made that decision to let this thing go. I, I decided I'm going to try it one more time, hmm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that those things weren't related. So I'm hearing the end of this story now, I, because during all this, you might remember this, I think you sent me a text, and you said, what is God trying to tell us? I did. If you listen to the past two weeks' podcast, we actually recorded both of that and this one. And this one, yeah. We recorded twice, and yes. we had all kind of technology issues here in the studio and you sent me a text, and you said, what is God trying to tell us? So I got to ask the question, what do you think God was telling you? It, it sounds like he was telling me I needed to let go of that thing. And once I did, it was like, all right, that's good. That's good. Well, that's well, good. well I'm done. glad to know it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Once we, Sometimes it's clear. Sometimes you just got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so not in our nature. It's not. To stop. We we're fixers. We're doers. You're the same way. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, many times, that's a good thing. Yeah. You're you're productive, but many times our production gets in a way with our relationship with God, and we just need to stop. Yeah. And this next question kind of goes right to what we were talking about. It, the question is: In times of trouble, do you go to Him first, or only after you've tried to handle the situation yourself? Um, and I think about that in the context of what I was just talking about in my situation. It wasn't until I got outside of myself mm-hmm. and said, okay, God, this is yours now, that, that that happened. But what was my first reaction? My first reaction was to struggle with it in Dude. my brain for, for weeks, right. for weeks, before letting that go, and that's, that's always our first choice, right? Well, you know, I think this is the measure of wisdom. In our spiritual life, this is the measure of wisdom. Of, okay, God's tell, clearly telling me something. You you acknowledged that, but yet you kept trying to do it a little bit more. And mm-hmm. then finally you said, okay, I'm let, I surrender. And things automatically got better. Now, is that to say that if we just say, okay, God, that everything's going to get better, no. But you're more wise today than you were two weeks ago as a result of what you what just happened. Yeah. And, and it's it's a it's a godly wisdom. 
Right. It's it's knowing when God is talking. It's knowing when God is putting obstacles in our path for a reason, and that only comes from a daily relationship with Him. Um, yeah. And there's there's no way to fast track that. Unfortunately, nope. I would love to know if there is, but there there is no way to fast track that. Well, and in this case, in this story that I was just telling, it clearly was was anti progress because all I needed to do was slow down enough right. to really give it to God, and then once I did that, then things were much more efficient. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, you take the time up front. Um, it goes back to that Martin Luther quote that we had. I'm going to be so busy that I need to spend more time in prayer. You know, that's. I mean, uh, how many times do we tell the kids running? Sometimes you got to slow down to go faster. That's right. And yeah. It makes zero sense, but wisdom makes you understand that. Yeah. That's true. And so next time I'm with, I have an issue like that. I'm going to think a little bit harder about how I start attacking those yeah. things. Right. I'm glad to hear the end of that story. Yeah. Question three: God tells us not to fear 365 times in the Bible. Find one of those verses and write it here and then memorize it. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that there's 365. Um, and hopefully everybody out there has that, that verse. For me, it's Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, we have a, a, a pastor that comes to our church maybe once every couple of years. His name is Tom Elith. Uh, great pastor he comes in and, and i think he lives in texas um but he he made a statement in one service that's that stuck with me this has been years ago but it really stuck with me and he said i want everybody to get a pen out and a piece of paper and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a quote that will radically change your life if you let it and man i got my pen out and i was i was ready for this long note set note taking session and he said, fear equals selfishness. Mm. And when, as soon as he said it, I thought, well, that don't make any sense. And then he, he started talking about it, and he said, fear, fear is a result of we are not able to do something. Yeah. And so we're, we're putting it on ourself. And the reason the spirit of fear is not from God is because... God can do anything. Mm. So anytime we fear, we're, we're taking it on all ourselves. We're yeah. saying this is too big for God or however we phrase it, but we take it on ourselves. So fear equals selfishness. And we've, we've discussed um, hearing God's voice before in this fact that the spirit of fear is not from God. Yeah. Scripture is clear about that. Yeah. So if you're fearing something, if, you know, when, when Rhonda was fearing that surgeon or that surgery or whatever it was, that was not from God. Right. But the spirit of peace is from God. And so many times we say, you know, we use terms like, uh, well, that's a godly fear. Well, I really don't understand that statement. Yeah. A, a godly fear. I know to fear God is a good thing. That's a reverence. But fear in our everyday walk, I don't think there is a, has nothing to do with God because it's not from God. Yeah. Peace comes yeah. from God. And there's a difference between fear and concern. Sure. I think that that there's a, there's a line there that I think some people think. Well, concern that, brings in wisdom. Yeah. That brings yeah. wisdom into the, the equation. Yeah. Um, but it's not fear. 
Right. Fear makes us do stupid things. That's right. Many times. A lot of some of the most dumb things I've done in my life come as a result of fear. Yeah. You panic and you do whatever it is. And we just we we've got to pray and seek God's guidance in finding that peace, which is exactly what Rhonda did. And she was yeah. able to see those things and ultimately resulted in peace and a successful surgery and and a great story. Yeah. Hey, now go out there and check out the Big Share app. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time. What do you do when everything you believe about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good father that he says he does? You've got layers and layers and layers of hate in your heart. It it takes God to clean it out. Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. All right, so we are back, and I don't know if you've seen. We've talked about shoes on here before. We've tried about. We've talked about the four percents and these these shoes that make marathoners faster. Well, I don't know if you realize that now there is a. Actually, it's been around for a long time. It's been around since 2016. Now they're saying, but there's a shoe out by Nike that's called the Dragonfly, mm. and we just had two world records broken. The women's 5K and the men's 10K were both broken in these shoes. And they're saying that these shoes are making 10 seconds of 5K different. And that's huge in the elite world. How do they know that? I don't know. I mean, I guess they do some kind of studies. They they, they, they look at efficiencies. and I don't know. How, energy return. So did their scientists come up with that number or did their marketing group come up with that number? Well, that's a good question because it makes a difference. Because I know when my son, Lane, hears that, he's going to be saying, well, we need to go buy the dragonflies. We'll try to keep and we're going to have an argument about, no, you, you just need to work a little harder. I don't bring it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dragonfly shoes, apparently. But if make, that's make the case, that's impressive. That is I impressive. mean, that is um, 10 seconds in a, in a 5K. That's that's a lot. Of, when you're talking about world-class level, that's, that's a lot of time. Yeah. It's going to get to the point pretty soon where um, somebody's going to break 12 minutes. Somebody's going to break... Excuse me. Somebody's going to get under four minutes per mile for a whole 5K. That's insane. That is not too far in the future. Um, That is crazy. That is crazy. You just think just, you know, 60 years ago, um, breaking a four-minute mile was something that was done once a year. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Now they're stringing them back to back to back. Yeah. Golly, it's, it's amazing. Too, it's just so amazing. So it is time now for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And this week, it's talking about how training is a balancing act. We have inputs, we have outputs, and, and it's important to pay attention to each of those. Um, they're two different components. And this one is called the storehouse We have probably all heard an analogy that goes something like this. You make deposits in other people's emotional accounts. You praise them for something, that's a deposit. You help them move, another deposit. You meet them for a pleasant lunch, deposit. You get the idea. Then there are withdrawals. You need help and ask for it, that's a withdrawal. You have an argument, another withdrawal. You borrow some money. 
literally and figuratively. That's a withdrawal. Again, you get the idea. Just like a bank account, we are continuously making deposits and withdrawals. So, too, are other people making deposits and withdrawals with us. We hope that we have a balance, particularly with those who mean a lot to us. It's, great. it's a great analogy because it's so easy to understand. You know, we have similar accounts with our body. When we train, work, or play, we take withdrawals. Some of those are large and some are very small. I will sometimes do a workout when training for a marathon where I run 10 times one mile with a quarter mile jog in between each. With warm up and cool down, it's a total of about 17 miles. And much of it is hard running. That's a huge withdrawal, obviously. If you think about the running or walking that you do, you can see how each is a withdrawal from a physical bank account. But there are many smaller withdrawals. Sure, a short run is an example, but what about a long meeting at work? What if you spent all day planning a birthday party? How about having to go to a funeral? Well, How about if that funeral is a close loved one? That's right. They're all withdrawals. No matter how much physical work you have to do, in the example of a meeting at work, you may actually be more still than usual, but the mental drain of doing a, a long meeting cannot be overlooked. The physical and mental sides are inextricably linked. So, how do you make deposits? Sleep and nutrition are the most important deposits you can make. The foam rolling, stretching, ice baths, massages, the hydration pale in comparison, although they are important too. It just so happens that sleep and nutrition are the things that many people struggle with the most. I track my sleep. As of the writing, as of this writing, I have averaged seven hours and nine minutes of sleep for the past seven days. I know that's not enough for me. I'm in a sleep deficit right now. What does that mean? It means I have to think about that when I'm doing other things. I have not made the deposits that I would normally make. It means I don't have as much to withdraw. I also have made tremendous withdrawals by running 20 miles over my average mileage over the same time period. I am operating in the red. But here's the thing, though. I can do that for a short period of time. The 10% rule aside, I can operate in the red for a week, maybe even two. Anything more than about three weeks, and I'm going to pay for it in a big way. Look at it another way. If you have a pantry of food, on an average day, let's say you have three weeks of food in that pantry. What happens when you don't shop for a week? It's no big deal, right? You have enough in there to carry you through that week. That's why you have a pantry to begin with. But what happens if you can't make it to the store for two weeks? You start to have less choices, and eventually, you have to make sacrifices to what you eat. If you go the full three weeks, you could start to see more dire consequences. In the case of running, when you're overdrawn too much, you are much more likely to experience injury and poor performances. You will probably even struggle with day-to-day issues. In Matthew 13.52, Jesus speaks a sentence about how we can have plenty in the kingdom of God. He says, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like an owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. When you become a child of the king, the things you do each day are like deposits in the spiritual bank. 
eventually you can't hold those things in the storeroom anymore. You will have treasures that you can bring out to share with everyone around you. And the truth is, as long as you have Jesus, you'll never get into a deficit. That's a great story, Dean. <clears throat> yeah, bank accounts are important, and we kind of need to tr- treat training that way. And I think some people get that, and some people see that, but but some people don't. We talk all the time about how some people, most people, uh, particularly when they start running, they run too hard on their easy days and too easy on their hard days, mm-hmm. and there needs to be a bigger difference in those things. Um, and that's part of the bank account. That's part of the deposits and withdrawals. An easy run doesn't take as much out as a hard run does, and we've sure. got to be cognizant of that. Because a good night's sleep will replace everything you need for a easy three-mile run. But it won't replace everything you need for a 20 times 400 on the track track session. Those two things, one is going to create much more of a deficit than the other. You know, it's it's funny we're talking about this because Lane and I were just having a conversation yesterday. Lane is my son. And he is it was kind of a bittersweet thing two weeks ago um i coached him in his last triathlon that i'll be coaching him um i kind of know where my limits are and and uh so so lane has joined up with a um uh he's kind of a team usa coach out of utah and we were on the phone with this coach yesterday and he's encouraging lane i don't know if you've ever heard of whoop um, whoop is a it's a it's a it's like a watch but it's not a watch it's a band that you wear and this thing tracks in detail as much detail as a Garmin watch tracks your physical fitness whoop tracks your recovery tracks mm-hmm. your sleep your sleep habits your quality your sleep some of the things which Garmin um, tracks during during the night but it does it all day long and it, it tracks your recovery and you know, this is, we've always said this, but this is just another coach from another part of the country saying that he he will look at that more than he will look at the workouts yeah. because of how important it is and how little of um, focus that athletes put on it. Yeah. You know, because we're, we've talked about this already in this podcast, how we're, we're strung out nowadays you know Mm -hmm. no is a complete sentence you know (laughs) it's sometimes we need to say no to things because we're we're constantly making those withdrawals and the the importance of recovery has been minimalized in our society not only through not only in the sport of running but in our everyday life most so many of us are just strung out nowadays and we we don't have time for the important things the exercise and the in the time with god and and i'm convinced many times that's where society wants us because when we're strung out and we're tired and we're ill and we're angry i just said a lot of times my some of my uh dumbest mistakes are when i'm fearful and and that's that's where being strung out will oftentimes get us it'll get us at a place where we just there's so many unknowns, and yeah. sometimes we just need to say no, and we need to get more sleep. And um, yeah, I mean that's just a really cool analogy that you used of of the deposits and withdrawals because it's dead on. There's a reason why there's a commandment that talks about us using one seventh of our time as rest. Sure. Right. So 
Um, that's one we I think we take for granted sometimes, uh, often. Um, a, a, you know, one of the other things about this from a, for a purely running standpoint is we often break all of our recovery and our, our training and all that down into weeks. And that makes sense. That's our calendar, and I get that. I had a friend of mine one time who did a nine-day training cycle Yeah. Um, because that worked out better for him. And I think that you got to th- sometimes you got to think outside the box. And some, for some people, um, that seven-day work week and trying to f- cram so many things into that seven-day, excuse me, seven-day training week doesn't make sense. And so um, it, you can break that up differently. And the body will adapt to it will when you provide your your recovery time. You know, we we typically do with the triathlon. We do three weeks on, yeah. I mean, three weeks of training. Yep. One week of recovery, and that's mm-hmm. kind of our training, a complete block. And and because of the way races worked out one year, we actually tried to go four. Four weeks on and yeah. one week off. And it's like the kids' bodies just completely rejected it Yeah. because their workouts just went off a cliff that fourth week. But it's because their bodies had adapted to that training block. And it's, yeah. I mean, the body's an amazing thing. It is. Um but at the end of the day, you have to have enough recovery. You can you can kind of pick and choose on when you take that, but over the period of time, you have to have enough recovery, and yeah. many times we don't have that. Yeah, and sometimes that recovery can be just a few days. I mean, it just depends on, again, you got to look at the deposits and the withdrawals. And when we say recovery, that doesn't mean don't run. Right. I mean, an easy run is recovery. Right. If, as long as it's easy enough. Sometimes oh. you got to slow down to go faster. We've already right. said that. But called, many, a, called a recovery run. Right. But many times that's so, – some of us just don't know how to run easy. You know, we have that one pace, and the problem with running one pace is you'll never get faster than that one pace. Yeah. And I think most people want to get faster. Yeah. Um, so that means you have to start mixing these workouts up and having easy ones and having hard ones. That's true. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You. Yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. We are back, and you know, so much can go wrong in a marathon. You know, we we, we talked last time about Elliot Kipchoge losing his first marathon in seven years in the London Marathon, and I noticed his coach listed several things that that were not right for Elliot that day, and that was the weather was bad, uh, the Pacers were frustrated. He was getting frustrated with the Pacers because the Pacers weren't running the pace he wanted them to run. And he was, during the race, he was visibly trying to talk them into changing the pace, and they didn't do it. And so he was a little frustrated. 
He had an ear problem during the race, particularly in the latter part of the parts of the race that he had never felt before. Um, and then at one point in the middle of the race, and if you were watching the race, you saw this, he went to pick his bottle up off a table. And when he, he started to bring it up to his mouth and he dropped it. Hmm. And of course he wasn't going to go back and get it. So, um, you know what I find interesting about those four things? What's that? 75% of them are mental. I mean, the ear thing, you might make an argument that uh, it could have been a sickness or something slowing it. But, I mean, if it was an ear, I don't know the extent of what that ear problem was. But if it was just something was hurting, that's that's not really affecting your legs. Yeah. The pacers were frustrating him. Yeah, that's... That's mental. Yeah. And the weather was bad. The weather's bad for everybody. Yeah. It's just he didn't like it. So I, I think it goes to show that even... The best marathoner in what arguably is history, 75% of the reason his race was bad was mental. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I agree. I agree. I, I think, I mean, the, the weather. I mean, being... missing his nutrition bottle, obviously, that, that can tank you if you don't have that set scheduled nutrition that they have. The weather being bad definitely makes will make them run slower. But it, but it everybody makes everybody run slower. slower, so in the grand scheme of competition, it makes no difference. Right. You're he right. just he wasn't happy that it was raining. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you know we we talk about how much of this sport is mental, and that's yeah. you know I I feel like three of the things he listed there are yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad. I mean that's just the fact. I mean it's it's the same thing with us. Most most of the barriers that we create are in our mind, not in our yeah. physical ability. Yeah, absolutely. But it also shows this. It shows that even with the greatest marathoner, perhaps, that have, has ever lived, mm-hmm. things can go wrong. Sure. Right? And what's the lesson for all of us? I think the lesson is don't be so hard on yourself when things don't go well. They talked about how when Kipchoge got through with that race, I'm sure that he is going to be on fire for the next one that he runs. But afterwards, he was like, you know, hey, it happens. It's been seven years. Dude. Chill that, chill out. It's it's not that big a deal, you know. He was he was really pretty chill about it. Um, that's a great lesson for all of us. Well, you know, when we interviewed Ryan Hall, he talked about this very thing. He talked about how you go to these elite marathoners, and he talks he talked about it from a cultural standpoint of how us Americans were mm-hmm. so uptight and wound up. And he said you you go to these big races and you go into the athlete tent after, and all the Americans, all the all the Westerners. You could just read their faces and tell what kind of race they had. But he said you, you look at the Kenyans and the Africans and and all those who have very different cultural views than we do, they could have had the worst race in history and you would have never known it. They're over there laughing and carrying on with their buddies. Yeah. And he, he talked about he talked about exactly what you're saying yeah. that it's we're, we're very different and that there's a lot of lessons can be learned from that culture that quit taking things so seriously. So what I'm hearing is be like a Kenyan. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That solves the problem. Run like one. Run like one I would too. love. Yeah. I would love <laughs> It'd be to fun run, to run like, like that. that. But yeah. I, will, I will never do that. <laughs> hey, we have another trivia question this week. And since we're on this whole marathon kick, let's let's – do this. Let's let's use this as a marathon quest or a trivia question. First of all, I don't have the gift, the prize here with me, ah. but it is another 
trucker hat. All right. I had it on Miss Gay's desk, and I forgot to grab it. But it is another one. Those are popular. They are popular. Um, we've, we've given a couple of those away now, and, and they posted their pictures, and they look great. So we're going to give another one of those away. Um, so if you want the trucker hat, number one, you have to be a member of Run Club. And number two, you have to email dean at runforgod.com with the answer to this question. Not customer service. We had yeah. some emails come into customer service last week. Those yeah. are disqualified. It has to be dean at runforgod.com because dean's the scorekeeper. The first one that comes in is the one he's picking. Yeah. And as long as the answer is right, they win the prize. So make sure it goes to dean at runforgod and not customer service. Yeah, because if you send it to customer service, then she's going to forward that. And then by the time I get it, you're probably going to be after somebody else. Right. So. And you said... This has been getting a lot of activity here lately. We got a lot of activity, like, particularly this past week. A lot of five people. times more than the first one. So yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. That's so fun. that's good. That's good. So here is the the trivia. Name the guy who won the nineteen sixty Olympic marathon, and tell me what was crazy about that victory. Because there was something that happened during that race, or there were conditions about that race that make it. In today's eyes, you would go, no way. I have no idea. Yeah, this is great. It's great. By the way, the up. same guy won the 1964 Olympics, too, was the first guy to ever be a repeat winner in the Olympic marathon, too. So. Now, let me throw you a question, because I'm curious. Let's see if you know this trivia. What was the first year that the marathon was in the Olympics? 1904. And when was the first year for the Olympics? Was it, it, was, was it in the original Olympics? It was. I guess it was. I mean... Yeah, it's it kind was. kind of where it all originated. Yeah, was it? it might have been 1896. It was, it was right around the turn of the century, Yeah, the 20th century. It was either just before or just after. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Dean at runforgod.com. Let me know what, you, what your answer is. Um, you might, and I've had several answers. People love to be honest. And I love this. When I get the answer from somebody, they said, well, to be honest, I didn't know the answer. I Googled it. That's fine. <laughs> That's totally, totally okay. Cause it's a kind of, this but is kind you of know a, the answer now. And That's it's kind important. of an educational thing. I've had several people say, man, it was so cool to learn about yeah. whatever that was. And so when you learn about this guy and who this guy was, you might want to go to his Wikipedia page and learn a little bit more about him. Cause there were some things that happened a little bit after the, all of his Olympic stuff that, yeah, you've uh, piqued my interest now. I'm going yeah. to have to learn about who this guy is. Yep. Yep. Okay, so we every week we share why running is so awesome, and this week this is what it is. There's nothing like sharing war stories after a race or even a training run, right? I, I love to listen to Lane and Devin, two kids. Lane is Mitchell's son, but Devin is another kid that runs on, on the uh, cross-country team at the high school. I love to hear them talk about a workout after the workout. Yeah. It's just fun to hear them. They're such running nerds. They are. They are. It's fun. I love it. You know, you see these videos made that are parodies for different, like there was one out for the different kinds of runners. You've probably seen the the different strides, and they're they're fun. They're hilarious. Well, I've said somebody needs to make one of those videos on war stories after a race. Yeah. Because you have... Lane Lane talks about Lane loves to break down after his cross country races everybody's conversations after the race just yeah. like what you're talking about yeah because he, he says there's always that guy that comes up and there's always an excuse there's yeah. always an excuse yeah. for why they did bad 
And there's there's the guy that has the different kind of conversation. So you can make one of these funny videos. We we need to do we need to do one of those funny. That would be great. Maybe we should have the cross country team make that like a project. That would be fun. That would be fun. Come up with a parody video about the conversations after a race. That would be great. That's a good idea. We're gonna have to do that. Yeah. We gotta do that. Write that down. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think about my own races when after after I get through, I love talking about them. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk. And we always, I, I was telling the uh, my college team this the other day that I was noticing that after uh, after a, a run, uh, a hard run, they were all running separately in their cool downs. I thought it was odd mm-hmm. because after a hard workout, I want to run with somebody else because I want to talk about it. So you're thinking there's but, some kind of drama going on or. Well, no, I asked them about it actually, and they just said we just I just prefer being being by myself after a hard workout, and so they're they're just different, and hmm. I think that's cool. Yeah, the college guys they they're all together. Uh, I mean, the high school guys are all together. Yes, after yeah, they have to be all together. That's so. right, that's right. And sometimes the college girls are too. It yeah. just depends on the week. And this particular workout, for some reason, must have hit them particularly hard, and they wanted to be separated. So, hmm. the motivational thought of the week. I love this quote. Running is a big question mark that's there each and every day. It asks you, are you going to be a wimp or are you going to be strong today? <laughs> that's from P- Peter Mayer, who is a Canadian marathon runner. And that really is true. We, we talked about this a hundred times. It's a mm-hmm. choice. We have choices. Sure. And, um, you know, I think about Todd, the the guy we talked about yeah. in the last the last couple of podcasts. Uh, and how he had a choice every day. And it was, man, you talk about hard not to be a wimp. Nobody would have blamed him. Nobody would have blamed him. But instead, he was strong every day. Sure. Um, so when you get up in the morning, you feel bad. You don't really want to go run. Just think about that quote. And don't be a wimp. <laughs> just think, Dean's going to call me a wimp if I don't run today. That, yep. That's pretty convicting. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Including you. Uh Hey, don't forget that we would love to have you join Run Club. If you have not already joined Run Club, there's a con- there's a ton of things out there. You're connecting with other runners that have the same interests as you. Not just running and encouraging each other, and runners are generally encouraging to begin with. We're type A people, so we like to we like to see that. We like to be motivated. We like to see stuff, and um, this is a great way to connect with other people who have that similar interest. But more importantly. We're all interested in the same Jesus Christ, mm. and that makes joining Run Club so great. So uh, so there's, there's podcasts, and there's videos, and there's other things. Just remember that you're supporting a ministry who every day wakes up trying to figure out how can we share Christ with the running world. That's our mission. It's what we do every day. It's why we do this podcast. That's why we're sitting in these chairs right now. And so uh, you can be a part of that and support that, and we would love for you to do that. If you haven't gone out there and given us a review on this podcast, then please do that. Review us on YouTube. Um, Let us know how we're doing. Give us feedback. If you don't like the way we do certain things, let us know. If you you like some things, let us know what that is, too. Maybe we can do more of that. But we want this to be something that you enjoy and that is for you. And the better feedback you give us, the more we can mold it into something that you want. So please do that. Now may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. 
For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.